Okay, so I have Erica Williams, serial entrepreneur, I should say. It's not one thing, it's multiple things. So serial entrepreneur, Erica Williams, influencer, YouTuber, um, has a lot of insight and a lot of different things. So I'm gonna be asking a lot of questions. Um, we have a little bit of time, so I wanna jump right into it. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to have you here. For sure. Okay, all right, so Erica, so yeah. I want to ask you, let's start, I like to start everybody with their background, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what was your background um, prior to business, uh, prior to all this stuff? Like, how did you grow up? So a uh, military kid, lived in Alaska, you know, lived in Tennessee, lived in Maryland, uh, Alabama, but mostly North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Alaska was <clears> the <throat> Uh, my brother was older, so he got Germany. You know, my my father was born in Japan. Him and my uncle, my grandparents met in Japan. They both were in separate armies when it was just the woman's army and the man's army. Uh, and then they spent seven years of their life in Japan. So, I mean, it was just like military all throughout and lots of travel. Um, long and the story short, I <laughs> all of our family goes to NC State. Like we have this endowment there we can go. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of people who played sports, so we get like a discount. And I was like, no, I'm going to East Carolina. And so just that rebel kid kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, I, when I left, I did some a stint with, you know, the Red Cross and, and United Way. Great programs, great places to work and learn. Uh, and then I started a coffee shop, you know. So I had uh, my, unfortunately, my grandmother and my father died in the same year, six months of each other. So I had some inheritance and I was working. I created a coffee shop called Sunset Coffee across from Federal State University. And it was great for two years until the city, the, well, the government, uh, city and state, you know, decided, hey, we got this grant. We're going to tear up this road to make this road better. Well, then it really impeded traffic for me and several business owners over there. So about me and four other uh, businesses went under during that time because the students couldn't cross the road safely. It was just like crazy, you know, 60 mile an hour traffic, no walkway like it used to be. It was crazy. So I, I was like, all right. I, I got to start anew, right? Because I feel, I had the feeling like I won't stretch or grow if I stay in North Carolina. If I stay an hour from my family or two hours in Charlotte, like I'll never really grow. I'll just be stunted here and I won't grow. And a few people had said something smart, alecky to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> so I flipped a coin. No lie, I flipped a coin. I was going to go to Nashville or Austin, Texas. And I was out. I was gone. Um... So I got out here to Austin and immediately was like, well, I'll just go back to the work workforce. So I got an apartment management and, and, and at night I was delivering pizzas because I was just trying to get like this extra cushion of money so I could travel and do whatever I needed to do when I wanted to do it. And, mm -hmm. and so that was kind of my mindset when I got to Texas. So I didn't come to Texas to be poor. I didn't come to Texas to be broke. I came to Texas to be wealthy and enjoy life. <laughs> right. And so even in doing that, once you own your own business and own your own schedule, it is so hard to fit back into somebody else's time, the way they do things, just kind of like every job I was at when I would make a suggestion of how they could do things better, faster, quicker, it was kind of like, shut up. And it drove me crazy because I'm like, we can do these things better, faster, quicker. And the opinion wasn't valid. It did, they didn't care that you had a great ideal. It didn't matter you had a great ideal. This is how they want to do it. 
So um, I was, and, and with that, what's so crazy is I was trying to save this apartment complex I worked at. It had 700 units on the complex and they were changing over brand new owners. They were painting, they were doing different things. And I was like, hey, if we just invest in one painter and pay that guy like 50,000 a year and, and all he does is paint all nine day, we will save thousands of dollars. I wrote up this whole graph. I put the, the cost analysis, everything. And they basically just waved me off like, yeah, whatever, shut up. And I was a billings manager. Billings manager, we look at the bills every day. We know how much the numbers are. We aren't the front manager that's waving, hi, how are you doing? And the social manager, we're the billings manager. And so the guy came in painting and, and normally painters won't make a crazy amount in an apartment complex depending on the year. But that year he made $350,000. And it was like, because it was a perfect storm. Over 120 units got empty, higher than normal. A lot of tenants saw other units, tenants being, you know, uh, Apartments being painted, they wanted theirs painted. It was kind of that like Jones thing. Like, well, they got something new. They got a new stainless steel refrigerator. I want one too, you know? And it was just like, it cost that complex so much money. And every day I came to work with like the smart Alec grin on my face, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See how that hurt you? And so, <laughs> so even then that was just like, you know, uh, one of those lessons. But immediately I called my friend, Andrew Bryant. And I was like, hey, let's open up a painting company tomorrow, staff. They're making a killing out here and we don't even have to paint. And so in the next two years, we made a ton of money because we used a combination of home advisor and just good business, calling people back. Uh, now, what do I mean by calling people back? The reputation for contractors, unfortunately, is that they don't return calls. They're always busy. They forget about you or they don't finish the job on time. They're always running around, chaotic, confused schedule. And that's kind of where I was like, I'm going to be the phone person and I'm going to take the payments and you just, you just make sure the guys get there. And it worked perfectly. And I've noticed over the years, the companies, whether it's plumbing, welding, construction, the companies that last usually are the guy, the husband and wife team, because the wife does all the paperwork and all the invoicing and the husband just does his work. Mm. And she kind of keeps on top of the schedule. I mean, you could test this out today. You could literally go to a little food restaurant at lunchtime and ask half the guys there where they're going next. They don't know. They're, they're waiting on somebody to tell them where they're going <laughs> or they got a list of jobs they're supposed to go do today, but they don't know exactly what order. Mm -hmm. And that's very common. And the more you get into the industry, you'll see that all over the place. Uh, but it's a lot of money to be made in, in the trades because you have 30 million uh, tradesmen who are just aging out of the you know system, getting ready to retire. They're like 68 to 72 years old. They're really, really older. And people don't understand that. Like, a lot of the tradesmen are getting to the age of retirement mm -hmm. and they're bouncing out this year. So if you can, I mean, one of my goals I was telling them is if I could find like 20 young men and I could put them through HVAC school for six months or something, oh man, I would do that in a heartbeat. You know, not just, not just charitable reasons, but also just make a ton of money. <laughs> I would like call up company, like you need some guys. I got some guys coming out of school here. So, um, it, you know, it's a lot of opportunity in the future that way. Yeah. So this business that you're talking about right now, what, what was your primary function in that business? Uh, really was just inventory, invoicing, um, taking care of payments, you know, overall administrative work um, and being 51% owner because I was a woman and a minority mm -hmm. to try to get on government contracts and get on city contracts. Okay. Okay. Because I know you have a lot of different businesses. So the first, but the yeah, first- that business, what I end up doing is I end up selling. My friend was more into fences, and mm -hmm. so once he started being more into fences, I was like, "Well, you know, you know, I just don't." I was ready to kind of get out. Like after two years, I felt like stagnant. I was tired of like 
sitting in the house taking payments every day. To me, that was boring and better. If I'd have thought about it better, I would have just hired an administrative person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but my friend was kind of the person like, well, what are you doing? If you hire somebody to go do that job, well, why are we paying half and half? And it's kind of like, that's the problem when it comes to blue collar work. A lot of times they feel like, well, I did the work. Well, but I found you the work. So you wouldn't be able to do the work if I didn't find you the work. And so you get a lot of that going on in the system. Right. And so it's always better if you own the company outright and just hired the labor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's funny. I saw my share of that company. It's funny that you, because you already answered one of my questions was, what was your first business? And so that was the shop. Yeah, that was a coffee shop. And then the second one was the painting company. Um, well, I had, I even had like a little granola business in North Carolina when I was in college, you know? So there was a lot of little, little things I tweaked on and worked on. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, never, um, didn't, I didn't see it in that frame. Looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, I started other stuff. You know what I mean? But I right. just didn't see it in that frame. Right. But you were ready. You were ready to go. Yeah. So at this point, how many businesses do you have right now? Uh, I would say technically six. I would say six. technically six. That I'm either full ownership in and have staff hired out or mm-hmm. contractors or VAs hired out. But I would say six. Wow, wow. Um, how, do, how do you find the, the balance? You know what? What's funny is I'll tell people this. Bit, like Most people who start businesses are creative, but mm-hmm. businesses are very boring and very routine and very seasonal. Um, and I, I know this drives people crazy, but in all my classes, I teach people, if you can break your business down into four seasons, it'll save you so much headache. So you got January through March, um, April to June, uh, July to what, about uh, September, and then October to November, right? So you break it down in those, 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 you can do that for any business, any business. If it's, if it's, if you're a lawn care, if you're in Texas, you got 10 months of business you can do. There's only a two month area in Texas where it's, it's down. And even in those two months, you can do leaf, you can clean up, you know, yards for the leaf repairs, cleaning up gutters, drains, you can do all kinds of stuff, tree trimming, because it's winter time, um, but it's all it's always seasonal. If it's e-commerce, the hottest time for e-commerce is a quarter four. And let's say you're in fitness, your hottest quarter is quarter one and quarter four. Um, why quarter one? Quarter one, it, and really for fitness is quarter one and quarter two. Quarter one is new me, new new yeah. new year, new me. I'm gonna do all this. I'm gonna buy this planner. I'm gonna buy this fitness book. I'm gonna buy all these cookbooks, these eBooks. I'm gonna buy all this crap and don't implement none of it. Right. Right? <laughs> right before spring break, which is like uh, April, May, June. Like, oh man, we got to get these, you know, all this stuff to get in shape. And so even if you break it down to like a little karate school, right? I drove by this karate school. Last year, they had a gangbuster year because parents were tired of the kids being stuffed in the house all day. The kids needed to get the energy out. And as long as they wore a little mask, those parents didn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this karate place was like, hey, need a place for your kids to get that energy out. Like, like it just, it fit, right? So the kids, you know, and even the marketing and the posters, the karate place had self-defense. Don't let bullies take over your child. So they even got a poster so that every time it, when it's August to September, I see that poster for the get your kids self-defense up, right? Mm-hmm. Then in the summer, it's like, get the energy out your kids. And then in the spring, it's like, get, get your kids in shape. So it's always cyclical. And if people really understood that, I mean, 100%, I feel like um, when I talk about consumers and producers in the market, when you st- when you put your producer hat on, you're like, man, they are killing it, right? In America, they sell all year long. Um, 
nonstop, right? So even I'm trying to think of another way to say it. Let's just let's just run through the month, right? So what goes on October, November, December? October, November, December, what's that? Halloween, Thanksgiving. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So you're completely wrapped up in Hallmark movies and decorating your house and Mm -hmm. get your fall fall pumpkins, fall apples, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Well, in those months, that's the number one time frame for tax land sales, tax deed sales, Super Tuesday sales. And so people who are producers are buying up tax liens because the person who, yeah, they owe that tax bill, what's on their mind? Well, I got to give my kids a good Halloween. I got to give my family a good Thanksgiving. I got to fly home for Thanksgiving. Oh, I better take my week off for Christmas. I got to go back to Christmas, you know. And so they already cut themselves out of fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. I even tell people this. When I do my uh, YouTube, I already know fourth quarter, nobody's listening. So I just start, I just talk about whatever I want in fourth quarter. I just talk about getting ready for the next year. That's really what I talk about. Mm-hmm. Then let's Back over to quarter quarter one, January, February, March. I sell planners. I talk about the new year, getting yourself in courses, getting yourself trained up. What are some things you can be applying yourself to? Um, I book uh, masterminds quarter two in the summer because people maybe the year has been sluggish. They didn't start it off like they wanted, but now they're in quarter two. They really want to, I'm almost halfway through the year. Let me get the year through right, right? And then that midsummer slow drain, I'm going to talk to you about getting your getting your kids ready and getting you ready for the fall right so it, it just happens over and over again the mm-hmm. same cyclical patterns whether it's in fitness whether it's in um, YouTube whether it's in even look if you even look at the relationship channels they go crazy in the winter time because people are at home alone bored of relationships and then they're watching that stuff on YouTube well then the spring happens and now they're in this spring mode of where I'm gonna get somebody by Valentine's Day well, then they don't get somebody by Valentine's Day. So then they got to use all their time in between there to get their summer body ready so they can be summer hot. Hot girl, summer, hot boy, summer, right? <laughs> so even in every every dynamic you can sell, whether right. it's, I mean, I've seen relationship books sell off the sell off the livers in the summer and the spring, right? Mm. Um, all last year, there was like uh, people selling activity books. And like activity books for couples, activity books for children, activity books for spring, fall. I mean, you name it. So again, once you understand the patterns of actually running a business, that business is cyclical and it will always be that way, you immediately change your mindset of like, okay, what can I sell? When can I sell it? Okay, why would I sell it at this time frame? And you could almost put some of this stuff on autopilot, right? Even in the health and fitness, right? The health and fitness, you know, even on the detox side, holidays, let's detox for the holidays. Oh, springtime, let's detox for the springtime. Oh, about to go on that trip, let's detox for that. You know, they really play up on people because they know it's so hard for people to change their schedules and their systems that they just they just keep racking it up. Right. You know? It's funny, it's funny you say this too, because I know I know for a fact it's true. Um, because there are uh traders and that's all they do. Um they just do uh, seasonal and cyclical trades. Um, like um, I remember in in business school, we ha- I had a I had a buddy and his aunt. Every year, she would do options for um, all the Christmas type of companies. Okay, the retail. She do she know, she figured out how people order every time during that time. So it's going to be prior, right? And so she figured out how that those goes. She buys those options and takes it across 
the finish line year in, year out. And she just lived off of that. She didn't even do anything else. Yeah. Um, so she understood that pattern so well and just did it every single year. Um, in commodities, they have guys that just take seasonal trades every year and that's all they do. They understand that pattern. They make a ton of money, do it again next year, do it again next year. Oh, there's a little change in this. Oh, okay, I understand what that is, do that. And they just repeat, rinse and repeat. And you know, at the at this corporate level, that's they understand what you're talking about. Um, this, yeah. you know, they look at what's going on. Okay, this is how these this is how people are gonna operate in large numbers. This is the season for this, season for that. And we see it around us, but I think a lot of people don't think about it. When you go to Target, every every time you go in there, it switches yeah. over. So they go from Valentine's Day to Easter. And Easter ends, and then they do another, and then they do the next one. And, they do and so if if we actually observe more around us, we could see this operating. I think that people just don't think about it for themselves. I think because they get into a rat race. They literally are just like rats running around like, oh, I gotta go work, then I go here, then I go here, then I go here. And so when you talk to people about absolutely 180 degrees changing their life, it's like what? Like when you start hearing people are sick and thyroid and all this other stuff, and you say, hey, if you do this 180 degrees different, you change your life, right? Because people always want to be like, how can I lose pounds in 30 days? How can I get $10,000 in 30 days? How can I do this in 30 days? And you're like, you'll be sick at the end of it, right? <laughs> right? Like, like I've seen kids who were homeless literally all of a sudden go to working pizza at night, delivering jobs, like working two, three, four, five jobs to stack up all this money, pay their rent, get some comfortable and get some things sorted out and then go back to their routine. Yeah, it's the same yeah. teachers. I've seen teachers work really hard because they're going to go on a trip in the summer, take all the money they worked on in the summer, their part time job and go on their vacation and then come back and be a teacher and be like, oh, I broke all year. All right. I mean, if I was just talking about this the other day, how much of business is really just, um, you know, it's funny because when we talk about college, um, you know, they say the degrees that don't matter are the uh psychology and sociology and stuff right well if you think about it most of business is probably just sociology and psychology because you're just understanding how people move in large numbers and over and over again how they really think not what they say all the time not what they say but what they really think and feel and if you there's a book there's a book called why she buys that's mm -hmm. really good like it talks about why women are buying things mm -hmm. um super super like even with the baby boomers like the whole thing with them kind of downsizing you know van life all that stuff like even if we talk about real estate and wholesaling uh if we talk about just like prime example wholesaling and fencing right i'm gonna tell you like this wholesaling there's 17 million vacant houses in the united states on top of that every tax time when it's time to pay the tax bill all of a sudden you, you remember you got that aunt aunt and uncle house you inherited you're not doing nothing with it it's just sitting there riding the ground that emotional feeling that tied to it lessens so people know to blow your phone up around that time right um summertime or fall or christmas when money's tight and they know you need some money hey you know we're looking to buy that property that you just got sitting out there vacant blah 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 you know so that's how they hit people up seasons same thing with fencing um you literally could just drive around texas all day looking for broken and battered fences but when does it matter the most when people want to put their kids in the backyard around summertime, yep. uh, when they have dogs, when the HOA is writing them up uh, citations, you know, uh, a lot of times people do things because their neighbors are watching, right? So we would put a sign out there that we just fixed our, somebody's fence. And then we get all these calls from the neighbors seeing if they could afford it. And so it, everything you can look at out here in the business world is cyclical. And once you know that, 
you will never be overwhelmed. Like I literally take once a month. Um, I do it. I do it at, like in November, December. I write out the all of next year, the blogs, the podcasts, all of this stuff, so I can like be ready. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, so he was waving and I was like, "Who is that coming?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I do all that stuff so that I'm ready. I'm super ready, and I'm gonna knock it out of the park. Well, then I just keep going on and tweaking the list, right? I just keep tweaking the list. I'm like, okay, it was tax time. Tax time, you're going to want to repair your credit. They want to try to do this and that. And then boom, here you go. Mm-hmm. And then summertime, you're going to be like, ooh, I girl summer. Then in the fall, you're going to be like, oh, I need to repair my credit again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I just already know. I already know how people are going to be. Yeah. So I don't get overwhelmed in owning the business. Once you own a business and you realize I'm a creative person, but 95% of the system works on systems. Mm-hmm. Like the average person is nine to five, 99%. So if I build a business that solves their, their need, which is their need is I need, to, I need to do it fast. I need to not be too complicated and I'm willing to pay you for that. Whatever that squeeze point is, that's where you are in the business. Right. I basically just understand that people want things tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how people think they want everything tomorrow. Um, and then coming up with a way to mitigate the time that I would actually take, you know, as much as possible. Me, I like to look at it like, I like to mitigate time, but I like also like, I also like to function in reality. Um, and it's all, it's always kind of in the, in, you know, credit and funding kind of world, it's always crazy with that. Cause as you know, ain't no like. Even if you break it down to people and like, hey, listen, let's get your credit all the way clean. And then once a month for the next two years, you apply for one thing, one or two things a month. Mm-hmm. for the next two years someone doesn't want to hear that they want to hear i'm going to get a half a million dollar a million dollar loan tomorrow yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm going to get 25 grand every month for the next two years or that i'm going to stack 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 you know what i mean mm-hmm. because they think they think in like even now when i talk to people on the phone they go yeah i need to retire and i need a certain amount for retirement i go well how much do you need i need 10k a month well how much do you make right now oh i make 3k a month mm-hmm. so how are you going to not only retire when most people income goes parupa you're going to triple your income. Right. See, people don't understand that if you want to have that income now, that you need to be living at that income now. You need right. to at least be making that income now so you're used to it. You don't go crazy when you get it. And it, it's a realistic number for you. People right. say 10K because they hear other people say 10K. Right. Most people, and I'm going to tell you like this, if you ever talk to military people that retired and get a pension of like three grand a month, once they get their car they like and they're in the house they like and that stuff's paid down they live well they live really decently you know unless they have a lot of medical conditions yeah um it's funny because i made a post about that a long time ago i might post again just it's called how to be rich on three thousand dollars a month i couldn't do it now um (laughs) and what's crazy is I, i i have like um deductions, subscriptions. I have like every week I go to this, go to get a massage. Once a month I go to get a facial. You know, you, there's, there's things you get into a routine of lifestyle creep that you're like, yeah. oh, I couldn't do it now. But everything went crazy tomorrow. Oh, mm-hmm. I could do all, I could like, I've even told people on YouTube, if I lost everything, mm-hmm. every single thing, every long-term money thing, everything was locked out for me or something crazy, something crazy happened. I would literally get in this. I kept one of my older cars. I keep it on purpose. I'd get in that thing. I'd deliver food. I'd I'd go put on a nice t-shirt, start networking. I'd start working with people in real estate. I mean, I literally would literally go on bigger pockets, find someone who needed me to make phone calls all day, get in their office, 
and blow their phone up for hours. Mm-hmm. I would just, whatever phone they had for me, I'd, I'd get on the phone all day. That's and then hard. once I was done, get on the phone, I'd be like, hey, can I talk to your buyers list now? Can I talk to your, uh, you know, your cash buyers? And mm-hmm. then I'd talk to them and eventually guess what's going to happen? And somewhere in that 30 day range, I'm going to be documenting my journey. I'm going to have money in my pocket. I'm going to find some way to be super valuable to those people mm-hmm. that, that someone's cutting me a check of five to 10 K that month. And right. even while I'm working on it during the day, then I can leave that place. Let's say they're done at five o'clock from five o'clock to nine o'clock. I'm going to drive my car. I'm going to deliver food or drive people. Right. I'm going to stack that money and I'm going to be back where I was in like two to three months. Yeah. Right. So, so again, it just depends on what they say. Oh, Erica, you lose everything. Okay. If I lose everything, but I have a car, no problem. Even if I lose everything and I don't have a car, at least if I have a place to stay in a phone, oh, a laptop. That's right. Worry. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying is true. This is, I live that out. I literally live that out. So I had, I had a thousand dollars. You could offer some type of, you could offer some type of service for a thousand dollars and do it 10 times and you got 10 K. Exactly. Well, I mean, again, like, you know, I literally live that out. So I had, as I had an old beat up phone, I still got it. It's in the back. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a built laptop that's sitting right over here collecting dust. Um, and, uh, and I had like a little, and I had a car, mm-hmm. okay. And a little dusty bag. I still got over here, right here. Um, and I got on the phone every morning, the power of the phone, um, the phone is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Like you can change your, uh, trajectory just with a phone by itself. If you have any type of, uh, skill. Uh, mm-hmm. that you've accumulated over time and most honestly most people do they may not even realize it but if you were at they don't a job, realize it yeah they don't realize it if you if you were sitting there at a job for 10 years okay at most adults or just or even if you're in and out of the industry something you you've accumulated some real skills you may mm-hmm. not realize it but if you bring those skills to market and you just sell them yourself um you can get yourself almost out of anything um mm-hmm. You know, it's just you have to be willing to embarrass yourself and get on the phone and, you know, get cussed out or, you know, <laughs> whatever. But if you're willing to do that, um, nobody can really stop. You can create something out of nothing. And then, like you said, documenting it. Um, you could be uploading that. Um, you can learn all the, the other elements of being online and whatnot. And before you know it, you can turn things around very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the things while we're on this topic, a lot of things that you do, you make it into something that people can learn from. We make it into a course or something. Is that a conscious effort? Um, did that become like some, when did that become something normal where you just started taking the skills that you have and you start packaging them and putting them out? When did you really get well, into, I, you realize that was a thing to do? Well, I started telling people, when I kept telling people the same answer over and over, I got tired. I was like, okay, we've got to package this, right? Um, I went on Dr. Boyce Watkins' channel via Andre Hatchett, and and I was like, people were like, I want to talk to you. I was like, all right, here's a paid consult link. I had 600 phone calls. I was so exhausted mm-hmm. after that, like, splurge of 600 calls. Like, just for the next three months, I was on calls. It was crazy. And so what I ended up realizing is, all right, that's what I have to offor is valuable, mm-hmm. and, but I get tired of saying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how can I package it? so that I'm not always saying it over and over again and wearing myself out in the process. Right. 
And so that's kind of when it started, like, you know, and so it was like the tax lien. I showed what I did, how I did it. I shared my screen. Um, and a lot of people are always, and this is what cracks me up about people. And I'm going to be very honest. People are like, oh, is the course new? Is it updated? Honey, some of the stuff I'm showing people, it does not change. Right. It's, that's, what, that's what I want people to understand. Like people are always looking for a shiny new thing. There are people out here who've buying tax liens every year, like clockwork, all year long, depending on the city and state for the last seven, nine, eight, nine, ten 10 years, and it has not changed. Yeah. And that's what the problem. People think, well, there's got to be a new way. And no, it's really the truth of the matter is you need to make more income, take the, mind the gap of what you have left over, take that excess income and invest it. And, and you know, when, when I used to hear it, I'd be like, oh man, it's got to be some kind of way. No, no. Now that I'm here, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I know that drives people crazy when I say that, but I'm like, dude, I literally got to a point where I was making so much money as an apartment manager, it covered all my bills. And then when I was delivering pizzas, they were like, why are you still doing that? Because I was taking two to three grand a month and putting in a lending club and putting it in a prosper and putting it in smaller uh, batches of like investments and acorn app and all these things that I tested because that's where you put the money at. Right. So even Along the way, I kept hearing the same thing over and over again, where I would hear it from food service workers. Hey, if you save $27 a day in a year, it's 10K. You know, you'll have more than enough money to buy a house. Because I kept meeting all these food workers who owned a house, and I could not wrap my brain around, how do all these food workers have a house? And I don't have a house, right? Well, one, it's the price point of the house and how far they lived out. And two, it's because they were living on the principle of, if I just saved $27 a day in a year, that's 10K. Mm -hmm. I see so many people shared around the internet now, but I know for a fact, I was the first person to say that like seven years ago. And I laugh about it because it doesn't matter who says it first. It matters who says it the best or the most. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I want you people to understand that too, right? Because people are like, oh, it's the market saturated. It really isn't. It really isn't. Like, like to this day, every day somebody will bring me somebody like, oh, I follow this guy on YouTube. And I have never heard of them ever in my life. Mm -hmm. Right? They'll bring me like every day, somebody bring me five, 10 people that I've never heard of. And I'll be like, who? Yeah, he's super big. He's got a million followers. I'm like, never heard of him. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, even Grant Cardone jokes like, hey, have you heard of me? No, that's my bad. You haven't heard of me. That's my, my, that's my fault. Because the world is so noisy and so big that you could literally get a thousand new customers every year for 20 years, Dave Ramsey. And people still would be like, Dave Ramsey? Who? Yep. Every year you could do it. And, it, it, and again, so the information... When people talk about, oh, is this new? Is this new? It doesn't matter. The information is is exactly the same. You yeah. can go pick up a book from the 1920s, and that stuff will still apply today. Right. A lot of it comes down to what makes logical sense. Mm -hmm. Logical sense will always basically be a constant, um, and it's crazy because you can apply it to so many different things. And once you have the fundamentals on something. Um, it makes it easier to find out how it can be modified or something like that, but it's still going to have that, that, that basic, uh, you know, those basic principles that it's actually standing on. Um, on that, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, one of your programs, which is Rise of the 20%. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What is Rise of the 20% and what is the, the, uh, what is it based on? What's the, what's the, um, the fundamentals that it's based on. So the rise of twenty percent course was came out of uh, you know the virus coming out and people were like oh my god this guy is falling this guy is falling and I'm like no what's going to happen is the same people and this has happened in the last recession there's about a twenty percent of people who move up and there's a twenty percent that move down 
And so every time people look up, they're like, oh, times are so hard. And I'm like, no, every year we get brand new millionaires. Hundreds of people becoming millionaires every year. How is that possible if everything's falling? It's just not true. So a solid 20% of us will be thought leaders, uh, will be people in our community that spark change. Um, and how does that happen? That happens when we start rising our mentality and our thought process, right? Because a lot of people, when I ran into them, they're like, oh, great. More things will be on sale. I have other things to buy. Great. And so I put that as the premise of the course that we would meet and mastermind and talk with each other and encourage each other and come up with ideals for seasons. Um, but also just, that's just life, right? There's going to be this rise up of people who can see over the noise. And those people are thought leaders. Um, right. And they're in every community, every city, every state. Sometimes they're thought leaders for bad. Sometimes they're thought leaders for good. Yeah. Understanding how to get in between a wealth transfer uh, or how to extract from that transfer of wealth to some degree um, makes a big, uh, big difference. Well, even, even I'll put it this way. I talk to people about master plan communities and people mm -hmm. are like, what does that mean? Only those kids will interact with each other in that school system. It'll be a neighborhood of a thousand homes, but only those kids interact with each other of a certain tax bracket, a certain income, of a certain mindset, of a certain thought process. And they only interact with each other, right? Just be those kids in that group. And then if you look further out, outside of just that, right, where it's just community, uh, master plan communities, if you start looking at uh, parts of society where people conglomerate with each other and those wagons get smaller, but they get tighter, right? Mm -hmm. And so... I always tell people all the time, it's access, it's money, it's it's just the way you talk. Right now, we have like a $30, $30 trillion wealth transfer is going to happen in the next eight years. And people are like, what? And I try to break it down this way. Construction, real estate, and healthcare are 45% of American GDP. But they're only 6% of the stock market. Because the stock market is its own little, it's like 9,000 companies over there. Over here is 32 million companies over here. And out of the 32 million, 24 million are one-person-owned companies, right? And so the biggest bang for our book is going to be the small business that do what? Push up higher, higher staff, gobble up industry. Uh, a big part of the 30% of the money that's going to be transferring is going to be, well, family offices. Prime example, uh, one of the, uh, the family offices... One of the family offices you can think of is like insurance, you can think of, um, you know, AC management, property management, all these things, right? What ends up happening is all these pension funds, they need consistent dividends. They can't get them from real estate because real estate's so doggy dog, so sharky, so many people are going there to safe haven, which is real estate, that the pension funds are like, we need some guarantee. Well, who's going to be able to provide it? Family offices that are like the biggest insurance company in the, in the state. You know, the family office that has a conglomerate of dentist offices, the family office that has a bunch of, you know, uh, properties under management and can guarantee that that pension fund four to five percent returns. So a lot of family offices are going to soak up some of that money. Prime example, there's an article you guys can look it up and it's talking about SPAC, which is uh, SPAC. They're special. They're basically a, a blank check organization that's going to raise money to do what? Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. Michael Dale was like, hey, the Dale family office is going to raise a half of $500 million spec. Why does the Dale family office need to do that when Dale, the company, is a multi-billion dollar company and he's a billionaire, you know? And so it's like even his family office is separating off into this and going to rise up in this wealth transfer. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of stuff people don't understand uh, in the process.
What are some changes you see coming on the horizon as far as uh, the trucking industry? Uh, number three things, you're gonna see more foreign drivers. It's gonna still take five to 10 years for all electric vehicles, all no man vehicles. Um, they're just, it's too much risk with insurance. You, mm -hmm. If you look at how, what happened in Texas during the freeze, a, a truck with no man would not be able to man that. You'd have accidents all over the road because it was unknown conditions. Conditions change at any moment. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna have to need more younger drivers. Anytime there's a recession or depression, uh, prime example, I saw over here, there's a little a school that teaches driving or they recertify you in four weeks. It's parking lot is full, like 40 cars deep. And I haven't seen that all, even during COVID, all that, I didn't see it. Because people realize, oh man, it's a change. I really gotta make some, some guaranteed money, right? Mm -hmm. So I asked them how many people they see in there. They're like, I see barbers, I see hair people, I see guys who have seasonal work in here all the time because now they need something solid, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Are people sleeping on YouTube? Is people's belief that you need uh, a million subscribers to make money, is that true? People don't understand most businesses and the same as YouTube, right? So YouTube, you have you have some late people that were all over Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, Instagram, and now they're over on YouTube, but they're still not formatting their business the correct way. They're, they're doing all this kind of crazy tactics to get subscribers, not realizing that even if you get a million subscribers, there's gonna be a solid, one to 10% that still rock with you all the time. So it's great to get a million views. It's great to get a million subscribers, but let's just put it to you like this. Out of the 300 or something million YouTube channels out there, ridiculous number, only 76,000 have over a thousand subscribers. I'm in one of the 76 out of millions of people who have YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. So really 76 of us have legit channels, okay, out of that number. And then out of that 76,000 of us, Probably out of that number, I'd say maybe 7,000 of us have legit, it's a business, it's a structure, it's systematic, it's, you know, there's systems and processes in place that the business can run with or without us. Um, I've seen people's channels be sold to other people because they structure it right and it's not just all about them. Um, they're, you know, they were the brand, but now they're not no more. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, there's a first generation of YouTube that's kind of already retired, and now we're in that second generation of YouTube. And so there's a lot of people like, oh, you know, I want to have the best graphics, the best video, the best everything. Well, they've got all this amazing video and they make no money. Mm -hmm. And people say, oh, that's not possible. I run into them every single day. They're confused. They have AdSense that's giving them maybe two grand a month. And they have this expensive, beautiful camera work and no money. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I see it every day, but I see also people who are podcasters growing like crazy. I see people who are running shows, making a ton of money. It's there's a lot of opportunity on YouTube, but it's still, it's still in five years, it's going to be like, whoa, crazy. Now you're seeing all the guys who kind of washed from fitness, right? They were in fitness forever, but that got completely oversaturated. And so then they started selling supplements, t-shirts, brands, and having to develop real companies. Right. So there's people that have been on YouTube for 10 years now saying the same stuff, selling the same courses, trying to be Dave Ramsey's. And I'm telling them at some point, they're going to take that YouTube money and put it somewhere. Because you're just saying the same stuff over and over again at some point. Right. What What can we expect to see from Erica in the future? Um, this year, a lot more focus on real estate. I'm basically uh, almost 180 degrees. As much as you saw me in trucking, you're going to see me in real estate. You're going to see me uh, investing in apartments. Sorry. Investing in uh, multifamily in, in the Midwest, mm -hmm. but mostly Texas because that's where the growth is. Southeast is the growth spot for the next 10 years. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about New York, New York's gonna feed Florida for the next 
15 years and it did it before but now it's really going to do it because it makes no sense you're a person with any kind of money taxes all that stuff new york makes no sense what are you getting for your money other than the state you live in new york that you can't get living on the waterfront of florida Mm -hmm. and as far as where people can find a lot of your information uh the youtube information all the jazz where can people reach out and find that they can find me on erica williams classy climb blog erica williams classy climb on youtube um you know pretty much consulting uh while i'm still doing it because this year i'm taking a uh taking a little sabbatical uh i'm taking about from the last of april to about august off um, and I'll essentially be, you know, traveling and checking on properties. And, you know, there's there's an aspect of YouTube that requires a lot of attention. And a lot of, when you do property work or you're rehabbing, it needs your attention as well. So I'll be on semi-vacation, mostly vacation. So, okay. I know you got some things to do, but um, I'm, I'm glad you're able to come on here. You have to come back on. For sure. Listen, anytime.